Hi there, and welcome back to um, Two Men Talking. Uh, I'm James Wilson, and I've got my good friend uh, Sean Purcell with me. Hi, Sean. Afternoon, James. I hope you're well. So, yes, yes. It's a bit grim in Liverpool today, but... Uh, it's, it's not too bad down the smoke, to be honest. Not too bad. Um, yeah. Some, summer's here. <laughs> um, right, so last week we, we started talking about um, how to win friends and influence people. And I suppose the idea of the podcast is to talk about books that deal with the soft skills that professional people might need when they're talking in a business context context, and when they're trying to engage with their business colleagues. Is that fair to say, Sean? Yeah, I'd say exactly. Hit the nail on the head, James. Um, just, you know, learning from uh, people such as, I mean, Del Carnegie's probably one of the original uh, writers in this area. Yeah. 16 million copies later um but uh yeah we started last time and, and we did say it's a little bit folksy but it is a great read and uh this time we're going to talk about part three and part four and just see what's said there really so um uh, I, I feel similar to what i do on part one and part two if i'm honest i don't know about you yeah yeah i mean i, I found it's interesting isn't it you can see his fingerprints in all the books that have come after Mm. He, he's created this kind of what people would call self-help genre maybe or yeah business yeah. Genre, yeah. or whatever it is and you can see how he's dealt with some fundamental concepts that come up again and again in books like influence um i'm trying to think of some of the other books the seven uh, habits seven habits uh the cialdini on influence definitely almost kind of dare i say he's almost copied most of it yeah. seven habits has copied a lot of it Mm. um but mm. it's kind of it should be common sense but as people say common sense ain't so common no um that's that's what i would say okay um so, so go on then part, part three uh so we just quick summary of the first two the, the the first two was part one was fundamental techniques in handling people yeah. then part two talked about six ways to make people like you yeah uh, and we're going to talk about the part three and part four. Part three was how to win people to your way of thinking. Yeah. Uh, tips on that. And then part four was be a leader, how to change people with giving offense and rousing resentment. And uh, I, I kind of, I mean, we'll, we'll go into each chapter in a little bit of detail, but I did feel there was a little bit of, uh, I don't know, repetition is the right word. The, the, the DNA of part one and part two were definitely present in many of the things talked about. In yeah. part, three, part four, I kind of felt part four was almost another book tagged tacked onto the end. Really. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. That. I mean, it's it's quite different being a leader to getting people to like you, isn't it? It's, I think it's a different kind of skill set, and he's he's tried to shoehorn some more ideas into it's a, it's a different it's a different subject matter really to the rest of the book. Yeah, I, I think it was probably, if there's any, you know, not the, the only thing I'd say was, I suppose it was aimed at a leader who was maybe having to have difficult conversations and yeah. how, how would you, you know, so the things that we've learned in how to get along with people are probably valid in how to have difficult conversations with people yeah. and just the way in which you structure them, it might have helped. Mm. So, but yeah, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. First chapter of part three uh, basically talks about you can't win an argument and yeah. um, it basically says the best way to, uh, the, the, to get the most out of an argument is to avoid having one. Yeah. Um, so that, that was, uh, so this, this really kind of 
I didn't, I didn't like this one at all because I, I think, I think the so the principle at the end of this chapter is yeah, the only way you can get the best out of an argument is to avoid it, as you said. And I kind of think yep. some battles are worth fighting, some aren't. Is my kind of slightly different perspective on it. So I, I don't think you should try to avoid all arguments. Sometimes it's better to have the argument, get it out of the way, and move on than avoid the argument and let it fester. So I don't know, I found, I found this one quite thought-provoking, this chapter, but it just, just feels a little bit wrong-headed to me. I don't know what... Uh, well, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, the way I interpreted it was, um, you know, if you have an argument with someone, you can't win because if you lose, you lose. Yeah. And if you win, you still lose because... Uh, you know, you've, you've shot the other person down and, and they've hurt their pride and they're going to kind of resent you. Mm. Um, I think that's what I interpreted what he was saying. Um, it, you know, it's kind of, if, even if you win an argument, it might be an empty victory because you're never going to get the other person's goodwill. And I think overall in, in part one and part two of this book, yeah, it's all about getting the other person on side. And I think he's kind of saying, if you argue with people, um, you, you're probably they're going to resent you, and there's not going to be goodwill towards you. That's that's how I saw it. Okay, okay. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I struggled with that one. I, I thought this was the most. This this is the chapter that has made me think the most. I think in the whole book. So, you know, I suppose on that basis, it's it's worth reading. But I don't know. I don't know. It was, I thought there was one part of it. It was almost like uh, it's quite Zen-like, and it was almost like the advice of some martial arts master, where he gave that checklist. Uh, mm. So to keep a disagreement from becoming an argument. So you know, welcome the disagreement. Oh well, thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. Um, and and you know, don't like react to your first impression. Keep yeah. calm, control your temper, listen, and then look for areas of agreement first. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, you know because sometimes in arguments you you cling on to your own thing often in an uh a biased way yeah um yeah so yeah it also talks, i think in the part one and part two you would tell you were talking in the last podcast about uh, what was the general who put the letter in the drawer uh, Abraham Lincoln was it? Abraham Lincoln, the president, put the letter in the drawer. Yeah. So I think he kind of says, you know, even if you are really pumped up and want an argument, um, maybe postpone action to yeah. let people just, you know, mull over the problem. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can't win an argument. Probably, I think the the boy I got out of it, you know, if you are going to pick a fight with someone and you beat them up. Uh, it's a bit like uh, conflict resolution, isn't it? You uh, you want uh, a win-win solution. Mm. You don't want to win-lose because yeah. if there's a winner and a loser, the loser's always going to come back and get you one day. Yeah. Whereas if you feel, I, I mean, again, this repeats later chapters where he talks about loss of face. I think yeah. I think he's kind of saying you don't beat the other person up into submission. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're not convinced. So that one's not your favourite. That I'm one. I'm still thinking. I'm still thinking. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I suppose, the idea of reading books. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go on then. Chapter two: A sure way of making enemies and how to avoid it. So, um, this is about showing respect for other people's opinions and never saying to them that you're wrong. Um, 
And I, I quite like this. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I personally would always assume that I'm wrong on stuff. And I, I, I was, he's, he's a bit Marmite, but I always remember Donald Rumsfeld talking about um, having known, known knowns, known unknowns, unknown unknowns. And there's things that you just don't know out there in life. And um, you, you could well be wrong, couldn't you? So I like this principle, this kind of, this, this, this is one that really chimes in with me about, you know, think, having a proper think about the total situation and not just your view of the situation or your, your take on it. It's, it's yeah. What I mean, I, I thought as maybe the way I could understand this, if I was a, you know, a manager trying to improve my soft skills, I think yeah. I, I kind of, the analogy would be uh, sending something back. And when you send something back and the shop says, oh, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, you ripped it and, yeah. and you, you kind of just go mad and you'll never buy from them again. Yeah. Um, whereas if they're really nice to you, you think, oh, that was nice. You know, they, they, were, they were pretty good there. And uh, I think, um, yeah, you know, I'll buy from them again for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's about respecting different perspectives, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I think it, it goes, you know, all kinds of references he uses and, uh, I think one of them I picked up on was Galileo. So he likes yeah, his, yeah. Uh, sure that, yeah. you can't teach a man anything. You can only help him find it within himself. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that. I think you'll get, if you can get people to work it out themselves by maybe guidance, you know, send, sending the right questions to them. Again, very much a, a coaching style of management. Yeah. They're, they're going to, they're, they're committing. They're not doing what you're telling them. They're, they're driving their own, kind of uh, goodwill mm. yeah i like that one yeah good chapter that go on then um, chapter three if you're wrong admit it uh yes admit it quickly and empathetically yeah. uh so uh yeah um I, I i there's i can't really say anything wrong with that really um if you're wrong uh, admit it and say look sorry about that um and yeah, move, move on would be. Uh, I don't know. Do you, do you admit you're wrong, James? Yeah, yeah, I know. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been married for quite a long time, and I've got two daughters, so I have to, uh, have to do. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm used to that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I mean, he's taken eight pages to say that, but it is all in that kind of. That one yeah. phrase, isn't it? If you're wrong, admit it. Exactly. And sometimes people, they know they're wrong, but they don't want to admit defeat and they use their incorrect whatever to, to fuel the argument, which, you know, what's the outcome of that? Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, so, uh, yeah, again, eight pages say if you're wrong, um, <laughs> admit it quickly, but, and, and be, be genuine. I think the other thing he said, uh, and um, admit it um, quickly and empathetically. So, again, having... Uh, an ability to basically stand in the other person's shoes and say, look, I'm really sorry about that. And I think if you do apologize and say, look, I was wrong there, apologies for that, people, people will say, oh, well, thanks for your apology. It's, it's, it's a rare thing, I think, when people apologize. Mm. Yeah, it can be very powerful, can't it? Don't yeah. Yeah. yeah, it can be positive. You know, um, I think he talked about car dealers saying, you know, where people come and complain about the car and he goes, gosh, well, you know, we, we do a lot of things here and I'm sure we get some things wrong. So, you know, thanks very much for, uh, you know, taking time to bring it to my attention and uh, let's have a look. And, and that kind of disarms people because they're expecting a bit of a 
you know, a bit of a fight and suddenly this person's like, whoa. Uh, so I, I think it's not a bad mantra to live by. Okay. Um, principle four, or sorry, chapter four was talking about a, a drop of honey. <laughs> so again, uh, you know, if you were listening to the first one, we were talking about just try to not be biased by some of his old folksy kind of terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, it was kind of, the, the principle was about beginning in a friendly way. I, um, I, I've written down here, common sense to a modern audience. Yeah, but hey, phew, I could talk all, all day about common sense, James. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, well, isn't that what normal, but, you know, common sense ain't so common. Yeah. And um, it, it, it's, uh, you know, in my world of uh, talking to finance people, you know, they, they, they tend to not want to always hear about common sense. They want to hear about, you know, super complex new financial regulations on blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. you know, because that's difficult. But actually, I think soft skills are pretty hard for a lot of uh, technically competent people. Yeah. That's fair enough, yeah. And I suppose um, that is the point of, of this podcast, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, I'll I, I think I think on the uh, you know be nice to people. Um, yeah, I think I think we should be. You should always try and look on on their positive side. Um, I think I mentioned in the last one about someone I knew who was a new CEO, and uh, he was like you know pressing the flesh in various businesses and. Yeah. You know, his sandwiches on the table and he, he cancelled his diary for the afternoon. And yeah. I think then there was a big problem with unions and he, he, he actually won them all over because he was considered a, a guy that cared. Yeah. Um, so I think so. But I, I just I'm not sure you can flannel face people. I think your niceness has to have some genuine yeah. foundation. Yeah. You have to be congruent in the way that you deploy it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and consistent, I think, as well. Yeah, consistent, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, and I think, you know, some people are naturally tough cookies. Uh, I was watching something about Rupert Murdoch last night. I don't know whether you saw that. There's a great yeah. documentary on BBC Two. Yeah. There is a tough guy. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure flannel would work on him. <laughs> uh, and um, the other one that comes to mind is the guy uh, on The Apprentice, Claude. Right, yeah. Tough South African fella who, you know, all these kind of full of themselves apprentices just get absolutely shot down by him. And and they're probably trying to use some of these techniques, and Claude's having none of it. So, uh, you you know, it's, uh, yeah, you've got to, uh, yeah, you've got to sometimes realize it won't always work. But it's a bottom line for this chapter. I think he, he basically says gentleness and friendliness are better than fury and force. And yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's not a bad, um, bad yeah. way to live your life. Yeah, I can agree with that. Go on then, chapter five, the secret of Socrates. Secret of Socrates. What is this? Um, what do you think? I don't know. <laughs> I um, I, I don't know. Well, the principle here is about getting the other person to say yes, yes, immediately, which really kind of what I what I've written down here is. NLP, you know, neuro linguistic programming. So again, exactly. his is his um, Dale Carnegie's fingerprints all over other people's. Exactly. I mean, he was the original psychologist in business, wasn't he? Really. I mean, he said in another one, you kind of smile, and, and when someone's smiling at you, you it, it, you you kind of can't not smile back, kind of thing. 
you, you know, and um, if you if you get people, and so psychologically program people to be uh, confirming, affirming, yes, 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 that's great, that's great, and then he kind of says that once you become uh, psychologically programmed to affirmations, and then if you if you slip in um, maybe uh, maybe not something that requires a yes, people might be more. Uh, you know, inclined to your way of thinking. I think that's what he was saying. Okay. Yeah. I mean, don't tell people they're wrong, basically. And even if they're wrong, probably, um, you know, maybe get them, you know, don't say they're wrong, get them to understand that they're wrong by, do you think that was a good idea to do that? Could, could you thought of a, another way we could have done that? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite, again, but it's a short chapter, this, isn't it? It's any... Yeah. Five, this six. part three has quite a lot of short little punchy ones, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Go on then. Uh, chapter six. Well, chapter six, the safety valve in handling complaints. Yeah. Um, and it was really about letting the other person uh, do a great deal of the talking. Um, so um, people probably are not that interested in you they're more interested in themselves yeah now um you know it's an interesting one really uh about um well going back to i mean again sorry to go back to rupert murdoch again but rupert murdoch uh and and some people who have been very successful sometimes uh disarm their opponents by they were saying rupert murdoch maybe didn't really have gray hair uh, because his arm hair was all dark, was all black, and he's kind of making out he's some old guy that is easily, you know, turned over. Richard Branson, when he used to fight British Airways, used to be in a woolly jumper and a beard. You know, he wasn't some like Armani suited, Armani spectacle guy that looked like some management consultant type. He looked like, who's this joker? But actually, he was. It was a clever way of um, kind of, you know, getting one over on people. Um, I think there is yeah. a thing about letting people talk themselves out in terms of if you're coming up against, if you're in a professional situation, you've got, if, and someone else has got a gripe, you've got to let them air the gripe and get it all out. Definitely. And don't jump in, don't jump in, just let them talk themselves out. Um, yeah. I think the other thing he said, it, it probably wasn't a good idea for us to blow our own trumpets too much either, because if if we blow our own trumpet, uh, we make the other person maybe feel uh, not as good as us, and they don't feel as important. Um, and uh, you, you know, they might feel a bit more envious or inferior. And I, I don't really want people to feel like that. I want people to be supportive of of what we you know we're doing together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's an interesting one. I, I, again, I'm not a big Instagrammer, but people who live a perfect life on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, well, I know they don't, but does that, do, do people, do the current generation believe that, are they envious? Are they, I don't know. I don't know. Um, old, aren't we? I don't think yeah, I wasn't sure that chapter six, you know, uh, handling complaints, let, let everyone else. Uh, yeah, but definitely for, for a complaint when people are moaning, say, oh, thanks for bringing it to my attention. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else? Yeah, great, great. And then show that you're listening again it's kind of what if you have empathy what what are they wanting to do they want to kind of get it off their chest yeah. and and you've got to you know provide uh, that to happen really okay go on then chapter oh. seven how to get cooperation 
Yeah. Again, I think this is uh, what the coaching people have stolen. It's basically let the other person feel the idea is his or hers. Yeah. So again, it's it's a bit similar to what we said earlier. Um, and I, and I, yeah, I agree. Um, I've written I've written down here. Could be a very dangerous thing in a commercial situation. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, if you you know if you're developing something. If you let someone else think it's their idea. Yeah, yeah. And the, are the patent in it or something? Yeah, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I, well, it all, I don't know. This whole book feels very passive to me in terms of you, you're hanging back off people and, you know, them to do things and listening to them. And it's, it's a very, I, I think it'd be, it's worth reading because it does make you think, and there is some, there are some nuggets in it, but read as a whole, it just feels a little bit passive to me. Interesting, interesting. See, I, I think if you own it, uh, you, you are more likely to buy into it, and you're more likely to work hard towards it. And he's kind of, I think he, he was trying to get people to uh, make, you know, make, so like as a. I, 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 the one thing I think he said in the book, he asked a question, you know, what do they expect from their manager? And I expect manager to do this, to do that, to do that. And it's like, yeah, okay, well, that's great. That's uh, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. And, and what do you think um, that employees should do? What do you think a good employee should be like? And let them say, well, a good employee should be this. Good employee should be this, should be this. So, well, that's good. Could you think you could aspire to do that and say, uh, yeah, okay. But because they came up with the idea, yeah. I think it's much more powerful than me as a manager saying, get on with it. Yeah. Do you think people are a bit wise to that? Though? Uh, I, I, well, I think the psychology, uh, the, there's another great book we should probably read in some future one by a guy called Ricardo Semler on Maverick. And basically, he, he basically turned the whole place over to, to the workers and they decided when they went to work, how much they got paid, you know the whole thing but actually the business became really successful and is a kind of a blueprint for how to run businesses uh, but the being it was a private company i don't think shareholders are still bought into that yet yeah. um but pro yeah. a few private companies have um hmm. so i think i think to think that you know if you're the boss you know best you probably do but you kind of want to make the person do it under their own volition rather than do it under your command yeah. That's okay. Um, Go on then. Uh, chapter, chapter eight was um, formula. a formula that will work wonders for you. Yeah. Um, basically, it was. It, this is all about modern day thinking on empathy and, and emotional intelligence, yeah. really. And it was about try to honestly see things from the other person's point of view. Um, I thought this was a really important one. This, especially. Yeah. In professional situations yeah it's really i think this is you know I, i'd subscribe to this one this is a, a sensible way to think about it. um because there are lots and lots of different points of view aren't there and they're all oh yeah yeah, yeah. between different uh, functions you know finance sales yeah. logistics yeah. engineering you know they're they're all going to have a different perspective and um you know, even if they might be totally wrong, they themselves don't think they're wrong. Yeah. 
So, and you know, and any, he kind of says any fool can say that's a load of rubbish. You're talking, you know, nonsense. Um, but if you can try and understand them um, and see why they think like that, and and you know, have empathy with them, um, you know, stand in their shoes, that that's a much better way of doing things. We've been finding that lately at work because um, we took over some software companies last year, and it. I, I thought it was a fairly similar business, but it's not at all. And developing software has got to be done in a certain type of way. And we, we've been really chaffing against each other. And um, um, we, we've got a, a software strategy guy come in to talk to everybody. And it's really helped. Okay. It's made me understand the pressures that the software guys are under in terms of the development pipeline and, and stuff like that. And so, and, and then, you know, they're not being willful. They're, they're having to do things in a different, they've got a different way of working than my consultants have or whatever. And, I, and it, it's taken a bit of work to realize that, but it's, it's, it's so true that, that there are so many different points of view and, and they can all be valid all at the same time. So, okay. So uh, yeah, I took a lot from that chapter. Okay. Yeah. Great. No, I agree. And, and, you know, it's, there's, kind of almost a whole book written on that uh, by yeah. Daniel Goleman on emotional intelligence and, oh, and really yeah. try and put yourself in, in the other person's um, shoes. Okay. Um, I, I think the other quote right at the end, he said uh, by some Harvard professor, he said he'd rather walk the sidewalk in front of a person's office for two hours before an interview rather than step into the office without a perfectly clear idea of what he's going to say. So I thought that was a good message, you know, before you actually get involved in the meeting, think about the outcomes that you want from that meeting and, and think about how they the person you're talking to might see that and what do they want from the meeting yeah um, I, I don't think people always look at both sides um so yeah okay well i like that one um chapter nine uh what everybody wants what everybody wants um basically be sympathetic with the other person's ideas and desires so, you, you know, is this, what are, is this just a rehash of some of these? Previous I, I agree. This is this kind of it, it's reinforcing a previous message. I, I, I don't think this is a, a new message at all. Um, he basically says three quarters of people you ever meet are thirsting for sympathy. So give it to them and they'll love you. Oh, OK, I've, I've, but, I've written down here. What if they are wrong? <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, you yeah. Know. Some people are just a bit, you know, maybe they're, they're not working hard enough or I don't know. I can see. No, I, I agree. And I'm thinking, do I really want to listen to someone telling me all about their, you know, yeah. their back pain problems and their whatever? And it's like, oh, okay, okay. What, what, what time is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but um, I thought one thing he did say, Dale Carnegie said, um, if he does kind of... Uh, uh, show sympathy with people and uh, try to endear themselves to them. Yeah. Um, he, he said he got a lot more fun of making someone like me than telling them to go and, you know, yeah. jump in the river kind of thing. So I suppose you might get a better life experience by, by listening to people and being nice to people. They'll, they'll like you more. Yeah. I, I suppose it goes back to other points. People kind of like to be liked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I was. Um, I wasn't one of my favourite chapters. That a bit of repetition. I think um, 
and, and I'm not sure I've always got time to listen to everyone's gripes, but I, I suppose yeah. it's, a, it's a bit having empathy. You know, what? why are they telling me this? What do they want from it? Yeah. Okay. Chapter 10, an appeal that everybody likes. Um, I, I like this one. So yeah, it, I did as well. It's clever psychology, I thought. Yeah. Appeal to their nobler motives. It's not obvious, is it? It's not, it's not an obvious point he's making it. It's actually, it's a deeper point. And he makes it quite well, I think. Yeah, I, I'm quite impressed you like that one, actually, James, because I, I thought, you know, uh, for a, a cynical scouser, um, <laughs> you know, he, was, he was basically saying, if you don't know anything about the other person, well, just assume that they're honest, sincere, truthful. Um, and, yeah, uh, if you... It, it's kind of what you believe it. It's what we said, you know, the old Henry Ford quote, whether you believe it or disbelieve it, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, you, you know, people, I forgot what he said. He said that, um, that people have two reasons for doing something, one that sounds good and then the real one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I want to make money out of you, but I want to come across as a really good customer service person. So if you try to pick on their um, kind of, they're, 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 they're maybe cynical, cynical, but the reason they believe they're, they're doing business uh, you can sometimes change them. Yeah. I mean, I'll I give you an example. I was in um, Malaysia recently and um, I was getting a taxi from the hotel to this office I was going to. And I know it costs five quid. So, because um, I do it all the time. And um, so I get in a taxi and we sit in the taxi and I say, such and such, uh, Jalan, whatever. And um, sit in the back and the guy kind of says, 30 quid. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just about to kick off saying, it's bloody five quid. Are you ripping off tourists? And um, the guy next to me, he goes, Sean, 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 Sean. And, and he says to the taxi driver, he goes, um, why do you do this? We, we're a guest in your country. We love Malaysian people. And they're all so nice and friendly and great ambassadors for their country. Yeah. And yet we know the taxi fare is five pounds, but you're charging us 30. And, and we don't understand why you're being so mean to us. And, <laughs> and the guy basically gave us a free taxi ride because he felt so bad. Uh, <laughs> so that kind of resonated with me a bit. Um, you know, I was ready to kick off. Um, and obviously not now I've read this book. Um, <laughs> well, then, Sean. Exactly. The new me. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I thought it, it was, it was, a, it was quite a clever chapter that one. I, th I think he didn't do it justice. You know, he spent eight pages talking yeah. about yeah. some of the other things he had taught and this really probably had more mileage in it really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's almost like a book in itself that one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Again, clever psychological tricks. I mean, people on the whole will do the right thing hmm. and uh, you just need to get them to self reflect on whether what they're doing is actually okay. Yeah. And, and clearly it's not okay chapter 11 the movie uh, do, the movies do it tv does it why don't you do it <laughs> so this is the principle here is dram dramatize your ideas yeah and i like this one as well i like this one yeah and this is really important when you're presenting information your information to colleagues in other parts of your organization you might know it and whatever but it might be extremely boring to other people. And you've got to think about how you contextualize what you're communicating and how you make it interesting and how you draw narrative ideas out of, of what you're communicating. 
so that completely people... agree and having good yeah just you said you hit the nail on the head contextualize mm. and um i think I, I, another good example would be uh if we can bring up the b word i'm not sure it's been talked about again but uh, you know we're not we're not going to get political but i think if you look if we look at the brexit the remain and the leave campaign yeah. uh the, the Remainers were kind of saying, you know, it's going to be 25.3 billion. And, and, and uh, yeah, okay. I, most people wouldn't know what that looks like. Whereas Boris was kind of saying it will be, you know, 10,342 nurses and, every, you know, will we'll be, and everyone can relate to that. So I think when you're talking about numbers, say, if you're in finance, if you yeah. can put them in the context which people can understand, yeah, I think, uh, you know, whether you are a Remainer or a Lever, I think, I think the argument was a bit better that was used by the levers because they, they, they put it in the context of, of something people could get. I think if you ask most people to write a billion pounds down, they wouldn't know. Is it a thousand million? Is it a hundred million? Is it 10,000 million? I don't know. And it's so vast. I just can't relate to it, but I can relate to 10,000, however many nurses. Yeah. Make, make your ideas real. Make your ideas real. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. That was, um, yeah. Yeah, in a very short chapter, but I like that one. Yeah, and I think I think the other point I just make on that, just specific to maybe finance people, is I think it's more than just getting um, uh, Tableau or so you know the Microsoft kind of you know graphics. Yeah, because some people think, oh yeah, we do that. We've got Tableau. It's like yeah, but all you're doing is making you know pictures out of a pretty bad set of information, and you've got to think more about the information yeah. you're giving and whether it's relevant to what people want. Mm. Okay. Chapter twelve. When nothing else works, try to <laughs> and that was yeah. throw down a challenge. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought um again, um he he basically talked about how money doesn't or he did use a, a thing about collecting pears fallen from the tree doing lawn mowing, which again, you know, try and see through some of the old folksy analogies. Yeah. Um but um, again, it's similar to uh, what we said before about empowerment. And I think a, a one story, he said, a boss goes into a factory yeah. and he says, you know, how many uh, things do you do in a shift? And he says, oh, we do six. So he wrote six down on the floor uh, in the factory. And then the night shift comes on and says, what's that six for? He goes, oh, that's the number of, you know, burnings or, or whatever uh, batches they do on a, on a day shift. So oh, do six or oh, we'll do better and we do seven. And then, um, yeah, they, 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 in the end, they ended up doing 10 uh, because they were just challenging to work harder. And it, it was the challenge that, that was stimulating, not, not necessarily the money or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that. I thought again, I that Brazilian book out or the Brazilian guy, Maver uh, Ricardo similar, yeah. you know, he found the output of his business was, was a lot higher when he let people run the show than him telling them what to do. Right. They just were much happier at work. The, the staff turnover was down. The profit was up. Mm. You know, um, okay. there's a guy, I don't know if you ever heard, it's probably worth a look there. Have you ever heard of, the, I've forgotten his name now, but he set a little business up called the Happy Manifesto. It talks about what makes people happy at work. Right. And um, yeah, uh, you know, people like a challenge. It goes back. Did he? Did they mention it in this chapter? There's like Hertzberg. You know, people like to have challenges. Yeah. Like the original motivational thinker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Good chapter. That. Okay. Yeah. 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 Agreed. So that's that's part three done. Part three. So um, part four then.
part four, there, there was uh, quite a few, uh, uh, again, little chapters here. Again, there was a little bit of repetition. And as we said right at the beginning, this was about be a leader, how to change people without giving offense or rousing resentment. That was basically the theme. And, and I think he, he was rehashing a little bit of some of the ideas said in the earlier ones. Um, okay. Go on then, uh, chapter, so, chapter one. If you must find fault, this is the way to begin. So you begin with praise and honest appreciation. And yeah. I, 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 like, I thought, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. It, it's like the classic sandwich, isn't it? If you're giving someone an appraisal, give them the good bit. Give them maybe a bit of negative and then finish off with a good bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah. A, again, um, be nice to people. Um, I, I never, I mean, one thing I never get is people being horrible to waitresses and barmen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like they're going to be spitting any food uh, when you're not watching. <laughs> or you're never going to get served in the bar. You know, if you're horrible to some barman, it's just, yeah. When it's busy, they're just not going to serve you. Whereas if you're nice to them and you smile and you have a chat, they'll be, you'll be the first to get yeah. served. Yeah. Um, so again, it, it, it's kind of common sense, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but I like that one. It was, that's not, um, that feels active, not passive, that principle. Yeah, to, to me, it's quite similar to, uh, it's based on the psychology of get a yes, get a yes, you know, be positive, be positive. And then, you know, if there must be something slightly negative, that would be when to drop it in. Don't start off negative or, you know, get, get them psychologically in the right place. Okay. Um, um, chapter chapter two. two, how to criticize and uh, not be hated for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was that the pretty cool attention to people's mistakes indirectly. Yeah. I thought his, the, the, the bot word was quite good. So it says like, James, I really like you and you're a really great guy, but because of a, and that just like ruins that whole nice introduction. So he, he, I thought that was quite a good tip really uh, to just get rid of the bot word um, and um, replace it with and. So maybe, you know, you, you're talking to your kid and it's like, yeah, Johnny, you've done really well at school, but your algebra's rubbish. Uh, it's like Johnny doesn't really get much out of that, but you say, Johnny, done really well at school and and hope you know all those great things you've been doing maybe you can think about applying them to your algebra as well and then you can be as good at algebra as you are in all those other things yeah. well that was uh, quite you know um a good way of doing it because like the but inferred failure and again it's making people feel a bit rubbish about themselves which you don't want to do in the con in the context though of this being this section chapter section four being on a being a leader or whatever Okay. I, I kind of thought there, I, I, again, we, we've been doing so, we've got, got a software company now, and I've had to pick up all these Japanese ideas around um, Kaizen and no defects. Um, okay, okay, yeah. And, and that, this to me is really, you need to identify what the mistake was. Yeah. And is there a way of stopping it happening in future systemically? Like, do you need to change? It is the mistake as a result of something that someone's doing that you need to change the behavior so the mistake doesn't reoccur later. Yeah. So, I think that's a really interesting thing you come up with there, James, because I think it depends on attitude. I think um, in the UK, if we make a mistake, you kind of cover it up and hope nobody notices because you, you know, you're going to get told off for it. So I, I think in a Kaizen environment, 
you know, someone puts their hand up and says, I've made a mistake. Everyone comes over and yeah. claps yeah. and says, you know, thanks for giving me a learning opportunity. Yeah. But I, I'm not sure because of the way maybe history is, is you know, with our experiences in life, no one claps you for making a mistake in the UK, really. Mm. They tend to scold you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's not. It's not considered. I mean, the Japanese see mistakes as learning opportunities. Yeah. So maybe I don't know whether Dale Carnegie's been to Japan. It is a different management philosophy, I think. You know, yeah. but it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's, so that's what. So, so yeah, I had a slightly different view on that chapter than maybe Dale's got. Yeah, and I, I completely get where you're coming from if you if you're relating it to Kaizen and stuff, which is, uh, yes, yeah, you know, continuous improvement and. And never ever resting on your laurels, kind yeah. of thing. I think that's a great um, way of looking at it. Okay. Um, chapter three talk about your own mistakes first. I mean, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't, I, there's not much more I've got to say, really. I think. No, I mean, mistakes is a learning opportunity. Say, so, look, I made mistakes. I'm not invincible. And, uh, you know, I think he was kind of judging someone working for him by, by the principles. Uh, of someone who was 50 and the person working for him was like 19 and you think well when I was 19 I don't think I was even working you know mm. so the person's not doing too bad all things considered mm. um, so um, and I, I just thought it, it would be a way of people opening up and listening to not necessarily criticism but advice on how to do things better mm. okay um, chapter, chapter, four. chapter four was no one likes to take orders uh again this is reflecting what we've said before you know um it, it, it's kind of it's like the coaching technique of asking people to asking the right questions so people know what to do but not directly telling them what to do uh again it to me it's like about buying and empowerment i've got i, I, I <laughs> i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the awkward squad again i've just I've got a slightly different view on this yeah go on if this section is about leadership yeah I think that goes against leadership because, you know, it's like um, it's like Henry Ford said: if people had asked me what they wanted in 1902, they would have said, "Pass yeah. the horse." No yeah, 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 yeah. It, it really does take away from the visionary elements of leadership because uh, you see, you're seeding your 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 vision to other people. I don't. I, yeah, I yeah, and I wonder whether we're the word leadership is kind of in the context that well, I think you're thinking and I'm kind of thinking leadership is as well. You know, there's a difference between managing and leading. Yeah. And is it, is this more about management than leadership? Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. You, you've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah. you know, when you're managing people, you're, you're, you're not, you, you're a leader, you're more innovative and you're more inspiring and, um, you have to be a bit more of a maverick sometimes. Um, whereas I think the, the leadership term is probably in modern day terminology, it's probably more management than leadership. If we make a distinction between a leader and a manager. Yeah. Um, okay. But buying and empowerment, I think was again, what I picked up from uh, that one. Um, yeah. uh, chapter five, uh, again, it's not, about, it's not about pushing other people's nose in it. And, and not making them feel bad and then maybe resent you. So let the other person save face. I like um, this one. It was, this, this is kind of like that one about making people feel nobler than they are. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of approach again, isn't it? And it's not, this, this, this is an, an obvious common sensical thing to me. 
maybe I'm wrong there, but like I, I, I agreed with it, and I liked, I liked the idea here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've I've kind of learned a bit of this cause doing a bit of work in in Asia and China, where loss of face is is a serious thing. Um, people don't want to look. Whereas in our in in kind of in the UK and Europe, more we're happy to chip in, and you get it wrong, it says nah, don't like that. It's like okay. Whereas in Asia, if you, if I said that to someone, it was like, oh my goodness, I've just killed him. I've just shot them down in front of everyone. Yeah. And um, so people. <laughs> Would tend to not answer me for fear of getting it wrong. Oh, really? Yeah, it's better to say nothing and at least break even than no, say something and get it wrong. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, having empathy with different cultures uh, for me is, is about saving face. Um, okay. And you, you've really got to, if you, if you want to get invited back, you've really got to think about that. Um, but I thought it was quite a good way. He talks about firing people or, or you know, saying, yeah. oh, you were great and, you know, really you've done a brilliant job. And, you know, obviously if we had, it's not a bad thing, you know, in, in our times we're in at the moment where people will maybe have to go, but say, look, you know, you were the best person ever and uh, I really wish I could keep you. You were fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's not you, it's the environment. And I, I just, what's wrong with talking like that? You know, it's... Uh, if you leave, let them go with a flea in their ear, they're never going to come and work for you again. And I would hope anyone you sack would come back and work for you one day. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Uh, chapter six, spur people on to success. Yeah. Well, well, interestingly, on this one, I thought uh, we talked about you getting your new dog. I've forgotten its name now. What's it called oh, again? Ted, uh, Ted. 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 So James has got a new dog, Ted. Yeah. And, and in, Part one and part two, we're talking about positive reinforcement rather than negative criticism. And um, funny enough, in this chapter, he, he did use that analogy. Um, and I actually hadn't read this chapter before we talked about the last one. Uh, and, I mean, in his true style, use meat instead of the whip. <laughs> um, but uh, so basically, you know, offer the dog a treat rather than whip it. I'm not sure anyone whips their dog these days, but um, yeah. I would. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I like this one. I think you should recognize it. You've got to go out of your way to recognize stuff at work. And people do appreciate it when you recognize that they've done something. So. Yeah. I, I think he says when you appreciate them as well, don't just say great job. Uh, you kind of be, be specific in what you found good. That's much more powerful if you, if you go into kind of you go a bit deeper um because it might just be seen as insincere you know it's like have a nice day you know it's like what, what, you know, what do you mean have a nice day uh or the one in america that gets me is when people say to you missing you already <laughs> and i'm like missing me already what's my name uh you don't even know my name how can you be missing me uh you know it just comes across as completely insincere um so I think that that would be the point. He kind of says, you know, nobody really wants insincerity. And, yeah. and again, he goes back, it's got to be genuine. It's got to come from the heart. And I think we, you know, we, we have to believe, uh, uh, really. I think that's, that's the point I picked up from that. Okay. Um, chapter seven, more dogs. Give a dog a good name. I mean, I, I thought this was a rehash of um, chapter 10 in part three about... Yeah. Um, appeal to nobler motives just yeah or or it's your henry ford thing you know um the one like whether you believe it or disbelieve it 
um, so I think we talk about Usain Bolt in the first, you know, Usain Bolt believes it. He's yeah. told himself it, uh, the chimp paradox kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, it's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, chapter eight. Make the fault uh, chapter, seem easy to uh, um, Make the fault seem easy to correct. Uh, <laughs> again, he talks of the great example. He talks, you know, as a as a older bachelor, forty odd. I, I I thought I'd take some dance lessons. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> something we can all obviously relate to, or maybe we can now in you know strictly generation. Um, but um, he basically the teacher says, "Well, mate, you you know you got two left feet. I can't do you know you got to completely redo everything you've ever learned and start again." So he just thought, oh, God, I can't be bothered, and he just quit. And then he goes to another dance teacher, and they says, well, actually, dancing's a bit old-fashioned, but fundamentally, you're pretty good, and I think I can make you a really great dancer. So, you know, and, and he, he, he stuck with it and tried it. So it's about, um, you, you know, how you, uh, how you set, set things out as a leader, I think. I see. So, again, I'm a bit like, I, I think this could be dangerous in a work setting. You Go know. on. Well, if people, if people were making mistakes, and there's it, two things there, aren't there? One, one, you might have put someone in a position that they're not up to satisfy, you know, that they haven't got the skills to do whatever you, you've asked them to do. And that's not, that's not fair on them. And then two, you've got to think about the impact on, on the organisation. If someone's making, um, making mistakes, then it goes back to the Kaizen thing, Kaizen thing, that you should absolutely diagnose what the fault is and don't don't diminish it. If it's a big thing, you can't diminish a big fault, can you? Uh, well, to my mind. Just, yeah. I don't well, intro, well I, I get what you're saying, James, and, and I think we're just coming it from a different perspective. The thing that, the thing that really made me think on this one um, – there's a book uh, by Malcolm Gladwell, one of his yeah. first ones, Outliers. Yeah. And I don't know whether you've read it, but he talked yeah. about kids and all these parenting magazines have jumped on it. And he says, you know, in the US, kids that are born in January, February, and March are much more successful than kids born at other times of the year. They're the ones that do well and get in the sports teams. And in the UK, kids that are born in September, October, and November are similarly successful and um, the reason is they, they join as five-year-olds and actually they're probably uh, 20% older than yeah. the kids who were born in August because they've got 12 months head start and because they're a bit better they get into the football team they're on the top table in English and and that extra belief in them I think it, 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 as they get older and there's not so much physical difference it, it because they've had all that investment in them yeah. and belief in them I think that's what powered them um, yeah and I think, you, you know, you see a lot of kids now where people understand a lot more about dyslexia. But once upon a time, I mean, I remember in my primary school, we had a, the remedial class. Yeah. It's like saying you're, you're the thick kid and you're in that class and all the other kids are in another class. It was like it was very discriminatory. And, and you were kind of tossed in that class as, as someone who wasn't as good as everyone else. And I think it could turn out to be a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're not careful. Yeah. And I think, you know, everyone's got talents. You just need to. You need to find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Last one. Big finish. Big finish. <laughs> Chapter <laughs> nine. Make other persons happy 
about doing the things so again it's it's about um make people glad to do what you want again it's about getting buy-in um i mean again you're probably quite cynical about this i think james well i think i mean you hit the nail on the head before there's a difference between leading and managing and if this is about leading then i don't think this principle is i don't know i think a leader should be setting a vision out yeah and driving hard to achieve it um no no, I agree. I agree. I mean, there was, again, there could be some, uh, a bit of misinterpretation because he, he talks about um, give people titles and stuff. And I, and I think that, that were, a friend of mine's got a design business and, um, you know, someone might be working as a graduate trainee for, I don't know, WPP advertising agency. And yeah, okay. And what are you doing? Oh, well, I'm a, I'm a design director of my mate's business, which, you know, has got four employees, but they tell their mates what we're doing. I'm a design director. It's like, all oh, right, we're well, doing all right. Uh, and um, so sometimes titles can help. They feel that's how he manages to retain people, not not because he pays them loads of money, because yeah. they have a great title. Yeah. Uh, I mean, probably a bit more than that, but, but you kind of know what I'm saying. Military medals are another one. You know, people will almost, well, sometimes sadly do die, but it's you know, or, or get severely injured. But it was worth it because I got the medal. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's interesting. But as you say, it's more of a management than leader thing. Yeah. So that's and it. I think too many trinkets aren't great. No. I think once you start getting private parking spaces and all that nonsense, uh, I don't know. I don't know what your view on that is. But no, I think, you, yeah, you've got to keep it, keep it real, haven't you? My, yeah. do- my, my daughter's coming to work with me this week. She's 15. And she said, um, she said, why, why, why are we just having tea and coffee? Why isn't the Coke and stuff in the fridge? And I said, well, you know, that if everybody wants Coke, they can, why don't you go and ask everybody for a tenner and tell them you're going to go get some Cokes and see how many tenors you get. So, yeah. so I think when, yeah, when you, when you've run in a company, you've got to make it nice for people and whatever, but you don't want to get into too many perks and, as you, as you say. Yeah. But then sometimes if, if you give people, it's about, I knew someone who used to work for Roundtree's, a chocolate factory. And yeah. when you first join Roundtree's, you can eat as much chocolate as you like. Really and everyone's like, first three weeks, you're absolutely stuffing your face. And after about three weeks, you're kind of over it. Yeah. You don't really eat chocolate again. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, there's a different, I mean, it's quite, I mean, Google do all the free fluffy stuff, don't they, as, yeah. as respect. Yeah. It works quite well for them. Well, they're all at home now, aren't they? So. Yeah, yeah, true, true. I mean, but they were always were. They can go at home or be in the office, but they kind of wanted to come to the office, I suppose, a bit to get their dry cleaning done. So what do you so, think? What do you I think, think I, I, it's an interesting book, and I think the thing, I, if I was to draw a conclusion of it, yeah. I would say, um, you know, I, I, originally I, I thought of the uh, book as, as a, a, a top 10 tips to be more influential yeah. but i think on reflection of it all i think it, it's not necessarily a, a bag of tricks and i think it's it's kind of in a, a call to action for us to change our mindset and to to see the best in people um and so it, it's kind of um it, it's a new way of living yeah it's got you you've got to almost change i think we have to change our heart sometimes yeah we're kind of disbelievers we have lack of faith in mankind let's let's have a bit of faith in mankind and you know never criticize positive reinforcement believe in people because mm. um, people people respond to that yeah that would be my conclusion 
so I, I liked it and I think it was worth reading um, I found bits of it a bit passive for my liking really um, I, don't, I don't know I'd rather, I'd rather be more on the front foot um, but yeah I, it, made, it made me think there's some really good chapters on um, being noble and stuff like and getting people to be noble themselves and the stuff about the, the thing around um, making ideas exciting for other people um, so if I was if I was going to use this book in, in a professional way in terms of engaging with other people in, in my organisation, I think there's quite a few really good ideas here about, yeah. about um, not assuming that people have got the same viewpoint as you, especially if, if you're in one part of the company, if you're an accountant or you're in the legal department and you go and see someone in manufacturing, clearly they're going to have a totally different view to you. So, so that really chimed in with me. Um, and, uh, you know, looking for the positive, I agree, as you said, I think that's true as well. So, so I liked it on the whole. I did, I've got to be honest, I didn't like the bit at the end about the leadership part of it. I just, and I think, yeah. I think we've kind of cleared that up. That what do you really Yeah, mean? it's more management, isn't it? Yeah. I think. Yeah. But yeah. I think that I think the voice the voice if you were to summarize the voice the voice is kind of like a nice old uncle or a great uncle who's yeah. kind of lived life and doesn't get too it's not like some you know motivational Tony Robbins kind of uh, book or whatever it's uh, and you know it, it's just like a nice old folksy uncle well have you thought about this and it's like granddad round the kind of open fire kind of thing yeah but there's there's some good messages behind it, and just see through some of the corny analogies. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't be don't be kind of uh, be open minded yourself, and and think this is a good book. It just is sometimes uh, the analogies are a bit folksy and old time America, but it, it was written eighty years ago. Yeah. But well, it, it was a good one to start with, wasn't it? It was a good one. For yeah. Me. Yeah. And I enjoyed it, so I, I'd I'd recommend people read it. Okay. Very good. All right. Nice to talk to you.